I'm going to preach on the future today. It came on a good day. Um, we're in a doctrine series. Knowing who God is determines who I am or defines who I am. And so we're going to be preaching on that, the future. What does the future hold for us? And I'll, I'm excited to do that, but let's, that's kind of like the could happen anytime, but like maybe it won't uh, and we could be here a while future. So it's, I'm not sure, but I, I'm sure about what I'm going to say, but I'm not sure when that's going to happen. I just know what's going to happen. I don't win. And then I know this. This is a little bit more time sensitive from the, the fact that uh, it's the 10-year vision and we're in year three. So you should have got one of these coming in. Um, man, it was uh, 2015 when I really met with the Lord and I was like, God, what's next for our church? We, you called me to plant a church. I'm here. I, I did what you asked. And uh, now what? Right? Is it a building? Is it this? Is it that? And uh, we wanted to stay focused on the mission. And we wanted to stay focused on our vision. And so we put together a 10-year, what if our church did this? So I remember when we did this, uh, Noah was 12 when we did this. And I uh, sat down and I was like, what does it look like when Noah's 22? I mean, college, Lord willing, might be married. I was married at 21. So that's a possibility. Um, what does it look like in 10 years? And you kind of work your way back and you try to figure it out. And uh, you look at the past and you say, well, this is kind of how it's gone. So that's kind of how it might go if we continue to be faithful. And that all is this book, okay? So uh, you have an intro page there uh, for me. I wrote that in January of 2016. And then you have our mission, our vision, our values, our pillars. Um, our mission will never change. We want to glorify God. We do that by making disciples of Jesus Christ, Okay. And uh, our vision, um, encouraging real people. We want you to be real at church. We don't want you to put a mask on, walk into church like you have to play some game. You don't have to play some game. You can come and be a hot mess. That's fine. We don't care, right? Because we're all hot messes, right? So it, just, it is what it is. And, and you could just be real. You could be a sinner saved by grace. Or you could just be a sinner that we hope will be saved by grace. Either way, right? Real people encountering the amazing God and experiencing lasting change. Have you ever had an encounter with the amazing God? I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, today has been pretty cool. And just wait till the last part where we sing again and take communion. It's pretty cool. Oh, and since I said that, I should probably say this too. We're going to take an offering at the end. And it's the, just going to be the ushers at the door. But the one thing I didn't do, out of all the things I was supposed to do last hour, guess what it was? Take the offering. I mean, they were still at the door, but I didn't say anything, so whatever, all right? If people want to give, they'll give, right? So, all right, and then the pillars, you see them there. I'm not going to belabor that too much. Um, then we kind of have it broken up, all right? Okay, real people, amazing God, lasting change. You get all that in the book. You can read through it, but uh, amazing God. Do you see that number? 5,443 people have been impacted by our church in the last six plus years. That's astounding. Somebody with database talents figured that out, and... Uh, the number that really gets me every year is 272 water baptisms. Because that's when people are like, I'm in, right? Like, yeah, there's a lot of people that maybe accepted Christ by being here in the last six years, and we don't really know. It wasn't visible. But those people, they're like, here I am. I want to serve the Lord. This is it. And that's the way we go public with it, right? This is pretty cool. Uh, we planted Harvest Madison last year. It was pretty awesome. Um, 
And then this lasting change. We really wanted to say, what would it look like if our church did these four things? Right here, lasting change. See them? I'm going to allow you to read them because I know that you're intelligent. But I'll give you the cliff notes, right? Write out your God story. Who you were before you met Christ, when you met Christ, and who you are now because you met him, right? Be able to speak that to somebody and say, this is what God's done in my life, and man, you should know him too. Read the New Testament every year and the Old Testament every third. I mean, if you just read the New Testament every year, in 10 years, well, it'll be eight now, in eight years, you will be telling people about the New Testament versus asking questions about it. Just think about that future for you. Rather than being like, hey, what does it say? Where does it say it? You'll be like, no, I know where the Sermon on the Mount is. I've read it eight times. It's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I get it, right? Like, you, you will know, you will be known by God and know God more if you read it. Um, it's life and breath. Have a real conversation with God every day. I mean, I don't, I have a real conversation with God every day. Sometimes it's like, what did you do that for? Right? That's real. It's, it's for sure real. But like, you know, what I mean by that is like, get on your knees with a list or, you know, just, just come to God with that attitude of like, God, what do you have for me today? I know the angels in heaven in your throne room, you tell them where to go and they go and you tell them what to do and they do it. And I, I want to be like that. So God, what do you have for me today? What do you want me to do? Oh, let me be your messenger today. Could I be a messenger for you? Like, get in a conversation with God every day and ask him what he wants you to do. Um, that's just one um, of many ways you could approach the throne. And then this last one, intentional discipleship. Um, so we want to disciple somebody. Maybe you need to be discipled. Maybe you need to disciple somebody because somebody's poured into you. Then you pay it back, right? So that's kind of what we're going after. What would it look like if everybody in our church did those things? What would this church look like? This church would be an awesome force through the power of the Holy Spirit for the name of Jesus Christ. All of Rochester would be touched in the next 10 years if we all do this. You're like, no way. Yeah, yeah, way. I'm just telling you, we're just painting you vision. Vision leaks. That's why we keep bringing it up. It's a bucket with a hole, right? You're like, man, I was here last year. Did we even talk about this? Yeah, it looked green. And the year before that, it looked blue. And now it's like all fancy and stuff. Remember that? I'm putting something in front of you, and I'm saying, would you consider it? So take this home. Don't throw it away. Put it on your nightstand. Put it on your coffee table. Let it be a topic of discussion in your home. And, and, let it be a topic of discussion with people that you're bringing over to your house and serve the Lord. Now, um, there's some commitments on here, not legalistic in any way. We just wanted to kind of press you, um, kind of the 2.0. Like, if you already done all this stuff, how could you take it to the next level? That's what that is. Okay, now, eternal impact. I mean, you could see the numbers here, the trajectory, and we put like, hey, maybe we could be 1,000 people. Maybe we could be 2,000. Like, it's not really about the numbers, but it, it's, it's interesting, right, that we're like, our trajectory is good, and we're affecting people for Christ, and that's what we set out to do. So it's pretty cool. And this last page, before you look forward, sometimes you got to look back. God has been so faithful in 2017. These are some things that he's done, his handiwork, and it is mighty, right? We're just like, wow, go God. It's amazing. So just wanted to share this book with you. Um, if you're a member of our church, we went through this all at the members meeting in a, 
different way or whatever. You can hear it online. I think they sent out a video for you. And then also there was this handout, um, which is just like our money and how we take care of it and so on and so forth. So again, members of our church, hopefully you got all that. But if, if you would like something like that, um, you can email our staff or you can say something to Jared Kidder, who's our financial coordinator. You might have received an email from him. I did this week just by chance um, with our giving statement. And so if you could just reply to that email and say, hey, could I get more on the finance, whatever. So we just want to be uh, definitely transparent with our members and want to be um, using God's money for his glory. All right? Family chat over. All right, let's get into the word. Ephesians. We've been in Ephesians in this doctrine study, and I'm going to be in Ephesians, but I'm going to use it as a springboard to get off uh, into the future, okay? And um, this is, um, uh, how would I say it? This is uh, an interesting and hard topic. Uh, matter of fact, let me read it, from you, uh, read it for you from Grudem. Uh, Wayne Grudem is one of the foremost uh, authorities on doctrine in the church. Here's what he says about the end times. It is important to realize that the interpretation of the details of prophetic passages regarding future events is often a complex and difficult task involving many variable factors. Therefore, the degree of certainty that it attaches um, to our conclusions in this area will be less than many other doctrines. All right? I've talked to you about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I did mention that I don't really get the Trinity, but it's three in one, right? Like there's some things you're just like, well, okay, I'm trying to figure that out. Uh, God got it, right? And then we talked about sin. We talked about salvation. We talked about the church. We're pretty sewed up on it. We're like, yeah, this is, you know, no. Not that we know everything about theology of any of those things. The more you read the word, the more your theology is going to be formed, the more, you, the more intimate you get with God, the more you're going to understand his heart and mind and like what, what he's going for, and, and you're going to get on that, right? But with this topic, the future, there's just a ton of bait, debate. And I think there's a ton of debate, and I think there's a ton of, um, I don't know, fighting. And so I'm going to try to steer clear of all of that. You good with that? Not going to be divisive today. Not going to be, I'm just going to be like, hey, this is what the Bible says. Just take it at face value. All right, we're going to go with that, or we're going to keep moving, right? So start with this. This will give you a visual picture of where we're going. This is our aim, okay? I didn't say the other slide yet, did I? No, I did not. All right, go back to the other slide. Sorry. I'll just, you, you, thanks for helping me. Um, we are blessed to know the truth about the future, okay? We're blessed. Sorry, I missed the slide. They were, like, reminding me. We are blessed to know the truth about the future. Like the truth from God's word is clear. We are blessed to know that. I can't tell you what you're going to eat for lunch today. Matter of fact, I can't even tell you if you're going to get there. I can't tell you. But I can tell you some things about your future that are definitely true. And I aim to do that today. I aim to tell you some things that are very true about your future and I pray that you'll take it seriously. We're blessed to know the truth about our future. Okay, so let me just give you this visual and uh, get after that first, okay? Every, uh, the visual, there it is. Bam. Creation, that happened. First advent, that's when Jesus Christ came. The crucifixion, Jesus died. I mean, 
We celebrate that every Easter, right? And that he rose again. It's pretty awesome. And then his ascension, uh, Acts 1, went up in the clouds. And we are now in what's called the church age. Good thing we all came to church today. Okay, This is the time to go to church. This is the time to gather together and uh, worship God. It's a piece of heaven. It's a taste of what's to come. And then you have the tribulation. Seven years. A tribulation. The Bible talks about it in uh, Revelation mostly, but uh, in other places like Daniel. And then you have the second advent. Jesus is coming back again. Okay? Clear in Scripture that he's coming back at the end of the tribulation and before the millennium. That, that's very clear. I'm going to prove it to you in uh, chapters 19, 20, and 21 of, um, of Revelation. Okay? So clear. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to be here on earth for sure. Right? When the tribulation, he'll end that and he'll start this thing called the millennial kingdom, which is on the screen. It's a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. And then at the end of that, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. The old heaven, the old earth are tainted with sin. They can't be in glory forever. They need to be burned. If you read, um, I guess it'd be 2 Peter 3, which is one of the verse, uh, chapters on the bottom of your sheet, you'd read all about that. That it has to melt away, that it has to go away. Just like the flood uh, covered the earth once, fire has to do it now. Anyway, I digress. It's a good visual picture. You got it. You don't even have to write it down. It's just to give you a breath of it. All right, let me give you Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we'll start here and we'll launch off of that. Verse 9. Making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Jesus Christ is going to unite all things. There is an end coming, there is a future, and it will unite heaven and earth. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. There's a plan. Verse 11. In him we have also obtained an inheritance. Ooh, I like that. An inheritance. What is my inheritance? Well, I'm going I'm to talk to you about that today. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. God, the Father, knows what's going to happen, tells us what's going to happen, right? Even ordained what's going to happen so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, even the Gentiles, remember, when you heard the word of truth, the truth about the future, right? The gospel of your salvation and believed in him, Jesus Christ, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. You have an inheritance if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you will acquire possession of it. What does that look like? It's a good question. My aim is to get, settle some of that today. And then look over at, I, I, there's so many more references um, actually, even Peter in 2 uh, Peter 3 says, Paul talks about these things in his epistles, and they're really hard to understand, and some twist his words and all this. things like, okay. Um, but it's scattered through all, all this epistle and many of his epistles, right? Many of his writings. But uh, look at chapter 2, verse 22. Just end with that. 
We left off there last week. We'll be in chapter 3 next week. Can't wait for that. In him, Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are being built together. We are being built together for a dwelling place for the Lord. That's in our future. And it's happening right now. We're being built up. All right, the first point. Everyone, okay? Everyone will see Jesus. We're blessed to know the truth. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. First truth is everyone will see Jesus. Everyone will see Jesus. Turn over to Revelation chapter 1. You're going to have to do a little uh, turning today. I, normally I try to stay in one passage and just have you turn once, but today you're going to be all over the place. So mostly in Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. The cool thing about Revelation is it gives you the outline of the book in the first chapter. Look at verse 19. Look at verse 19. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen. John had just seen a vision. That's the first chapter. Those that are, that's the second and third chapters. It's talking about the church. And those that are to take place after this. That's the fourth through 22nd chapters. And that is future. As for the mystery, I'm not, I'll just stop right there. Okay, so that's the outline. The things you've seen, write it down. Those that are, the church, two and three. And those that are to take place after this, chapters four through 22. So it's really cool that he gives us that. Okay, you're like, well, where does it say everyone will see Jesus? What, give me that. Look at verse seven. Behold, listen now, that's what it means. He is coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. And chapter 22 says, even so, come Lord Jesus, amen, right? Even so, come, come God. Everyone's going to see him. Now, Jesus said he would go and come again in John 14, 3. I will prepare a place for you, and if I come again, you know, that would be a good thing. And then he said, uh, the angels actually said that too in uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Um, they said, hey, <laughs> hey guys, over here. Yeah, stop looking up. <laughs> the same Jesus who you saw ascend into the clouds is coming back the same way that he went. He's coming in the clouds. We sing songs about it, don't we? He's coming in the clouds. Kings and kingdoms will bow down. The lion and the lamb. We sing about this. Right? We can't wait for this. Everyone will see Jesus. Like, I'm not sure I want to see that. Turn over to Revelation chapter 19. Some people don't want to see it. Some people can't wait to see it. But everyone will see Jesus. Chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. 
and one sitting on it called Faithful and True. That's Jesus' name. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes like a flame of fire. If you read the rest of chapter 1, same description for him. And on his head are many diadems, crowns, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. Man, that's cool. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Whoa, just got gruesome. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God. That's John 1. That's John 1 right there. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him. Now I want to be in that. I want to be there. On white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. That's referencing the thousand-year millennium, which is in chapter 20. We'll get to it in a second. He's going to reign with a rod of iron. He will tread down the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty, uh, referencing the second half of the tribulation there, the three and a half years, where God's wrath is poured out in the bulls. On his robe and on his thigh... He has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I just think of that picture. Bam. Like, I'm taking notice, right? Now, I just re- reminded myself that I didn't tell you all about Revelation, right? So, Revelation, just give, give you a broader view of it. Sorry, I should have told you that just before this. But I'll catch you up. Chapter 1 is a good introduction. It also says in chapter 1 that you're blessed if you read this. You're blessed if you hear it read. It's a blessing, okay, to know what the future is. Okay, chapters 2 and 3 are the church. Chapters 4 and 5 are the throne room, right? A throne room scene. He's showing you a glimpse into heaven. What, what's said? What's going on? Who's saying it? What they're saying? It's amazing. You should spend some time there. Revelation 4 and 5. And then Revelation 6, now through 19, are talking about this tribulation period, this seven-year time frame, right? It goes through the seals. It goes through the trumpets. It goes through the thunders. Like, what are the thunders? (laughs) Nobody knows because they got sealed up, right? Nobody knows what those seven things are, the seven thunders. And then it goes through the seven bowls. You're like, oh, that's too much information. I know. But that's chapter 6 through 19. And then he comes to chapter 20. And he's like, the millennial kingdom. And then chapter 21, the new heaven and new earth. And then chapter 22, let me summarize. And that's the book of Revelation. That being said, everyone will see Jesus. Everyone will see Jesus. In case you're not convinced yet by Scripture, let me give you this reference. This is probably my favorite reference for this. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone will see Jesus, and everyone's response in seeing Jesus will be to get low. 
you will bow before your maker, Jesus Christ our Lord. You will either bow now willingly or you'll bow then because his overwhelming presence will make you bow. And you will say either now or later that Jesus Christ is Lord. Why? Because that brings glory to God the Father. That's why. Everyone will see Jesus. Now, that being said, you kind of have a choice, right? You have a choice. How do you want to see him? <laughs> there's believers and there's unbelievers. But you've got to make a choice. Do you believe what I'm saying is true? Your future depends on it. I'll say that. So in points two and three, I'm going to give you two tracks. I'm going to give you the believer's track, and I'm going to give you on the believer's track, okay? There's two tracks now, and then we'll come back on the last couple points. The second point, 2A. Believers will reign with Jesus. Believers will reign with Jesus. Look at chapter 20 of Revelation. I'm just going to, I don't, like I said, apologize. I don't have a lot of illustrations. There's not a lot of fun today. It's like, hey, look at this. Let me smash this mirror. Let me, you know, it's like not happening. All right. It's all just the word of God. Let the word of God come alive in your heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that the word of God would come alive in our hearts today. Chapter 20. Believers will reign with Jesus. You'll see it. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. What does he have? A key. And what does he have? A chain. Right? Two hands full. <laughs> right? And he sees the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Woo! I mean, this is the guy that keeps tripping me up every week. Him and his minions, his demons, you know? Like he's going to get locked up, thrown away. I'm, di I'm digging that. I can't wait. And threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. You're like, no! But this is God's plan. God decides the future. You don't. This is what's going to happen. Then I saw thrones, and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and the word of God. Now, I don't know if that's in your future or not, but I can tell you I'm not scared to die. And the Bible says that some people will be beheaded. Their head will be separated from their body because they make a decision for the testimony of Jesus Christ and the word of God. You shouldn't be scared of that. You should know it's coming, honestly. And those who had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received the mark on their forehead or their hands. I don't know when, but there will be a mark of the beast. I don't know much about it other than it's going to be on your head, forehead, or your hand. Like, that's, that's all I got. But it's coming in the future. You can just watch for that, right? 
You could just know that that's coming. They came to life, these people that were beheaded, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. How many times is he going to say a thousand years? A couple more times. And the rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. The first resurrection. People are going to be resurrected from the dead. We're going to sing about this in a little bit. I want you to think about this first. People are going to be resurrected from the dead. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death, the spiritual death, right? We know first death. It's physical. Spiritual death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and they will reign with him for, guess what it is? A thousand years. I don't know. It's going to be a thousand years. Believers will reign with Jesus. Satan's going to be bound for a millennium, for a thousand years. Whether we came back with Jesus Christ on white horses, that'd be cool, I'd like that. Or whether we come to life because we've been beheaded, we will reign with Jesus for a thousand years. Is that clear? We're going to reign with him. I'm, I'm counting on it. Okay, now the other side of this, I'm going to skip over the Satan defeated part. That, you can read that on your own. You're going to be like really jacked up when you see that, right? He's like forever in the lake of fire. Yeah. All right, but I, I, for sake of time, I'm going to keep going. All right, verse 11, verse 11, okay? Here's point 2B. Unbelievers will experience judgment. That's what the Bible teaches. Unbelievers will experience judgment. Just the truth. Then I saw a great white throne and him who is seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. I wonder why. Because they can't be with him, right? He's holy. And no place was found for them. They've got to be burned up. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Do you see that there? There's some books. The books were opened. I don't know what those books contain, other than what it says. It says you're going to be judged by what you did. So I'm assuming it's going to be written in there what you did. Angels, God himself, writing in a book as we speak, or already written in a book what you were going to do, because he's sovereign. And the dead will be judged by what's written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead, and, they were, and, and who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead, and who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be judged according to what I've done. Do you want to be judged according to what you've done? That was a pretty lousy answer. I'm just being honest. Like, I do not want to be judged by what I've done. Eh-eh. Don't open those books, God. Don't open them. Don't open them. Because God's going to open that book and he's going to be, oh, look at all this good you did. It's like filthy rags. Right? He's going to be like, look at all these bad you did. And we're like, well, that's worse. 
So what's the verdict? Hell. Like, you're done. Like, you can't come back off of this. You can't come back. There's no comeback on that. I'm so grateful that God doesn't judge us as believers on the books. But there's one book, the Lamb's Book of Life, and my name is written in that book. I'm sticking with that. I don't want to be judged for what I've done. I want to be judged by what Christ has done for me. He's taken the punishment. He's the one that's deflected all of the wrath that should have come my way. And for some reason, in judgment, there's also mercy. And God's like on display as God saying, I got both. I'm going to show mercy and justice at the same time. It's amazing what God has done. What Jesus has done for us. Unbelievers will experience judgment, clearly, and then unbelievers will exist in hell. Notice I didn't put live, although they will be existing, alive. It's not much of an existence to be tormented. Revelation 20, 14 and uh, 15. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Is that clear? I think it's pretty clear. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, see, that's the important book, he was thrown into the lake of fire. It, I don't get my like jollies out of talking about hell and, and death and judgment. Like, it doesn't make me happy. It ought to make me cry, Right? I know God's in control. I know he's doing something. I know he's planned it. But I'm not happy that there are people not choosing Christ right now. Unbelievers will exist in hell. They're not written in the book of life. They're headed to eternity in the lake of fire. This is called the second death. But, chapter 21, verse 1, believers will live forever in heaven. All right? So you have everyone will see Jesus. Believers will reign with Jesus. Unbelievers will experience judgment. Unbelievers will exist in hell. Believers will live forever in heaven. Woo! Thank you for some good news. All right? Chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Now, just two things about that. Didn't Jesus say in chapter 14 that he was preparing? Didn't he say that? He said, I'm preparing a place for you. And isn't it interesting that he says it's a bride adorned for his husband? Because that's the church. We're the bride, right? And so he's preparing us even to come back and be adorned. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, how loud should the loud voice be? Uh, Volume? Uh, Are you guys paying attention? I mean, how loud do you think the loud voice is? He says a loud voice. 
All right, well, all right. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Woo! I mean, I mean, I just want to hear that in heaven one day. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more old heaven, old earth, tainted with sin, just now the new, holy, blameless. Bam. Believers will live forever in heaven. Remember our verse, Ephesians 2.22. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the fulfillment of that. This is where it happens. This is where we become with Christ, right? All together. Not just spiritually, but physically too. We're there with Him. He's dwelling with us. He Himself is our God. We are His people. Bam. Jesus makes all things new. He says it's finished. Just keep reading. Verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said... Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. Does that sound familiar? Maybe Jesus on the cross said, it is finished? All right. I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's how he referred to himself in chapter 1 of this book. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. In case you're trying to work your way to heaven, read this again. Okay, I will. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. You don't have to pay this back. This alone you can't pay for. You don't want to. Don't try. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God. He will be my son. How precious is that? Yes, Lord. Yes. Come. But look at verse 8. But as for the cowardly and the faithless and the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexual immoral, the sorcerers, idolaters, like, every, I don't know if you get like this, but when you read through this, you're kind of like, Cowardly, yeah, maybe. Faithless, yeah, sometimes. Detestable, no, not really. As for murderers, no, I've never heard anybody. Sexual moral, well, I guess if you read Matthew, might have thought about a woman wrong. Come on. Sorcerers, well, I'm not that. Idolater, well, I guess, you know, I have put stuff like basketball in front of God before. Then you get to this. And all liars. Anybody in here a liar? Come on now. Colin, you're lying. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just serious. Like, is he leaving any doubt? No. Are you a liar? Yes. You know where liars go? Well, I'm fond of saying to heaven if they're saved. But then we should stop lying, right? 
by God's grace. Their portion will be the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Oh, I'm so glad he said that. I'm so glad he said which is the second death because I can look back at the other reference we read and go, oh, it's the people that, he's talking about the people that were read in the books. But my name is in the book of life. Woo! Oh, sweating beads there for a second. I was like, all liars get thrown in the lake of fire? I'm a liar. I'm getting thrown in. Is your name written in the book of life? That ought to be comforting to you. I mean, people twist this all up and they're like, don't contort it. Like, oh, you murdered somebody. You're never going to heaven. You're like, repent. Accept the free payment, the payment you can't pay back. That is the one way. Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. This is the future of believers and unbelievers. These are the two tracks. So it begs a question, doesn't it? Are you a believer? Are you a believer? If you are, that's great. If you're not, man, warnings, 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 right? Now, I'm in church, so I'm assuming that most of us are believers. I'm going to assume that I'm preaching to the church um, and that most of you have accepted Christ. So I want to continue, point four, um, with thinking during that vein, okay? How should I prepare for the future? What should I be committed to right now? Isn't that what you want to know, believer? Like, okay, great, that's awesome, thanks. Okay, that's the future. Do what now? What now? Ten-year vision. <laughs> no. I mean, this can help you. But let me give you some more general things here. Number four, I will endure till the end. I will endure till the end. Is that a commitment you'd make? I will endure till the end. Till death does us part or till Christ returns, whatever the end may be for me, I will endure till the end. Is that true? Flip back a couple times to Revelation chapter 13. Just trying to keep it all in one spot. Endurance is all over the New Testament, right? But uh, just get your eyes on Scripture now again. Chapter 13, verse 10. I'm just going to read the last part there. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Calling to you to endure. Continue to have faith and believe. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Oh, funny thing is this is written in the middle of the tribulation here. And, and then in chapter 14, verse 12, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, for those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus Christ. What are we called to do, church? We're called to endure. That's a word nobody wants to hear. I don't, I don't want to endure. You ever run a race? 
You ever run a mile? No. You ever run a marathon? Okay, I just lost like most of you. Like, no matter how far you ran, the farthest you ran was, was the hardest you ran. Like, it's like endurance, right? I had to, oh, oh, oh. I was, it gets harder. But we're called to endure. We're called to grow faith, right? To believe. Matthew 24, uh, Mark 13, and Luke 21 are all kind of uh, parallel passages. In, in Matthew 24, 13, it says this, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. It says the exact same thing in Mark 13, 13. And then in Luke 21, flip over there, Luke 21. Let's get to that, Luke 21. Because I think the thing is we're scared to die. I think we're scared to die, right? Death is kind of like scary. Um, you're like, how do you know that? Um, well, my dad died. My dad died of pancreatic cancer a um, year after we planted the church. And um, it was scary. It was gruesome. It was ugly. It was probably the worst thing I've ever seen. What it did to him, what it did to his body, who it made him become, it was gross. But at the same time, he was dying there was so much hope because we knew that if he could just push past death, he'd be in eternal life. It's the first funeral I ever preached. It's interesting, isn't it? First funeral I ever preached is your father. A lot of people are like, how could you do it, right? I mean, that's the question I got. Well, how could you do that? Here's how I did it. I was so confident about where he was. I wasn't like sad. Because I had seen death. I'd seen the, the ugliness of it. I'd seen the gruesomeness of it. I'd rather he would have been beheaded, honestly. Honestly, I would. I would rather that. It would have been quicker. It would have been over. It would have been eternity. So, I feel like you can't be scared of death when you have Christ. You can't be scared to die when you know on the other side of that blink of an eye, Right? Is Jesus? Oh, that will be glory for me. When by his grace I shall look on his face, that'll be glory. I mean, that you gotta. So I look at death differently. Death is an opportunity. You're only gonna die once, you got one shot at it. How are you gonna die? Death is an opportunity to bear witness for Jesus Christ. Isn't that what he did for us? Isn't it the symbol that we keep coming back to, the cross? He died for us on a cross. Our death has the same effect on other people if we die well, like he did. Look at uh, Luke chapter 21, verse 10. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be great earthquakes in various places, famines and pestilence. I mean, this is all happening, isn't it? And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. Well, that's, uh, you know, Revelation uh, 6 through 19 for sure. There's some tribulation talk there. But before all this, 
they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Interesting enough, who's writing this? Luke. Who's his best friend? Paul. <laughs> huh. Wonder if this buddy even came true right there and then before his eyes. Matthew and Mark don't add this, kings and rulers like Acts does. Again, everybody writes from their own perspective, but they're moved along by the Holy Spirit as they write. I mean, Luke and Paul, they were living this out. And here's what he says, verse 13, you should just memorize this. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. This is your opportunity to say, Christ and only Christ, exalted over all in my life and in life to come. This is your opportunity to bear witness. So settle it, therefore, in your minds. This is going to help you right now because if this ever comes down, you're going to be ready. Settle it, therefore, in your minds not to meditate beforehand how you'll answer. Okay, what? I suppose think about now what you're not going to think about then. <laughs> Just settle it in your mind now. I'm not going to think then. I'm going to close my mind down. I'm going to get my spirit going. And I'm not going to, I'm going to say what I'm thinking. I'm going to say what he says. All right? Just, just settle it now because you, otherwise you're going to be freaking out when you're in jail going, we're beheading you tomorrow. Settle it now in your mind, not to meditate beforehand how you're going to answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom, these are from the Holy Spirit for sure, which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends and some of you they will put to death. It's a good thing I'm not scared of death, huh? Good thing if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not scared of death either. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair on your head will perish. I love that language there. You're going to die. He said, don't be scared of death, but not a hair on, head on your hair, uh, uh, hair on your head will perish. It reminds me of John 3.16. What does he say? God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not. Didn't say he wouldn't die. Right? You're not going to perish. No second death for you. By your endurance, there's our word, you will gain your lives. I will endure to the end. That's what I want you to take away for today. I want you to go out there into a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ. I want to show him all the love, grace, mercy you can because he showed it all to you. Forgiveness and abundance, right? Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Either as Christ has forgiven you, right? All of that with the confidence, right? With the confidence that you can't kill me. Your words, sticks and stones may break my bones. Words never, you know, like you, you can't do anything to me. It's not going to affect me. I already know where I'm going for eternity. It's amazing. By your endurance, gain your lives. Even when persecutions come, endure, 1 Corinthians 4. Even when temptations come, endure, 1 Corinthians 10. Even when sufferings come, endure, 2 Timothy 4. Hebrews 12, 2 and 3 say, Jesus endured the cross. <laughs> right? Despising the shame. 
but for the joy and the glory that was before him. You got to look to the other side. That's what Jesus did. That's what we're going to do because we follow Jesus. All right, this last point. Got to be done. I am ready for the future. See, that's a declaration, isn't it? I will endure to the end, but now I am ready for the future. You know what's coming. You don't know when. It'll be sudden, <laughs> right? It says no one knows the time, the day, the hour. Not even the angels. Not even Christ himself. Only the Father. You're like, I don't know how they did that, the Trinity, but they did. When God says go, Jesus will go, I'm ready. I've been preparing this for a long time. I'm ready for the future. Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. You need to read these passages. I've put them down there. I'll just read one verse from you for you. Matthew 24, 44. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay, I got to say this. So you wonder, how do I get ready for something that I can't expect, right? And I think is unlikely to happen anytime soon. Like, how do I do that? You ever get in your car? Did you put the seatbelt on? Why'd you put the seatbelt on? You don't think you're getting an accident, do you? No, I'm not planning on getting an accident today. Why'd you put your seatbelt on? I want to be prepared, right? I want to be prepared. Why'd you buy car insurance? Why, why'd you do that? You're not, you don't go buy car insurance and then go like ram somebody. Like that's ridiculous, right? But you bought car insurance because in case it happens, I'm ready. These are good examples of why you would be ready now for something that may or may not be coming today and more and more increasingly. Here's the application. Know the word. I put these passages in the bulletin so that you could read those for yourself so that the Holy Spirit in you can bring to you what he's been bringing to me. And so read the word. I would just share this verse that I memorized when I was a kid in Awana's like study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Like, that was for sure King James. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but that's how I memorized it. You got to study the word. That's the application. You want to be ready? You got to study the word. You got to rightly divide the word of truth. There's some things you can be sure about. I've tried to make those things sure today. I haven't talked about everything because there's some things I'm just not sure about. And we just don't know. But I know this, you got to be ready. Uh, flip over to uh, Revelation chapter 22. Let's just end with that since we've been all over that today. Let's just end with that. This will be encouraging. Revelation 22. Really the question is, are you ready? Right? Are you ready? Can I ask that question? Are you ready? What if Jesus Christ comes back today? Are you ready? What if you get hit by a car today? I hate that illustration. It's like, what? You scare me into heaven. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's a bunch of ways we could die today. Not planning on dying, but I will wear my seatbelt when I leave. 
Are you ready? I think you just got to answer that question. Are you ready? Are you a believer? Will you say to the executioner, I won't recant. I believe in Jesus Christ. Are you ready? Do you believe? Here's some words of encouragement. And he said to me, this is Revelation 22, 6. And he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. Soon. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 12. Behold, I am coming soon. I think you can see the emphasis. Bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. Don't want to be on the unbeliever side. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I started it all and I'm going to finish it all. Jesus says in verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Come on, Lord. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. So we go to communion and sing. Wouldn't you come? Wouldn't you come to Christ? He loves you so much. He loves you.